Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. You want to deal with the best in the business. And. At Sunbury Motors, with the great product lines they have, which include Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. An incredible pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. And today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Yes, time to stock up for the big 4th of July weekend. You've got imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Maybe you love wine coolers. Lots of water. Need to hydrate. Soft drinks, snacks, they roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. The pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. And not one, not two, three, four, or five, but six different flavors of ice cold slushies. Six different flavors. It could go for one now. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Well, instead of a call of a day, can we talk about a classic game? Sure. I was trying to find this because I've always thought it'd be cool to talk about this with you, and that is the Indiana and Penn State basketball game on February 9th, 1993. Do you know which one I mean? Of course, the double overtime game. Yep. I was there in Rec Hall, a student at Penn State at the time. Incredible game. Yeah, and I've always had people ask me why I've never put it in my top ten games because I get asked questions like that all the time. And I said, well, it's not my top ten games. It was Penn State lost. <laughs> uh, the bad call. at look, What sets all of this up, and we're going to go back to Sandy Barber here in a moment, uh, what sets all of this up is that Penn State made its first trip to Bloomington a month earlier, early January. And Penn State had never had not played. Now that group, had, now I think Penn State had played in Assembly Hall at a tournament, but they never had played Indiana at Assembly Hall. So the players of the team had never been there before. So Bruce decided it was a Friday night. The game was going to be Saturday afternoon to bring them into Assembly Hall and work them out. And I was in the very back, so the players were all in front of me. And Indiana has all these banners up, and the the Olympic banner is up because Bob Knight, the Olympic team, had practiced there, the 84 Olympic team, and the Olympic banner's up, and Bob Knight had been the head coach of that team, and that meant it was Michael Jordan and, and company playing in that Olympic team. And 
the players were all looking up and around in awe. And I, and I remember I called my wife, Kathy, and she says, what do you think about tomorrow? I said, I, I, said, I don't think they have a shot, to be honest with you. I said, they're in, they're in awe of the place. And Penn State lost by 48 points. 48 points. They lost 105 to 57, I think, was the final score. You can look it up. I think it was 105 to 57. So a month later, they're going to play in Rec Hall. And she said to me, what do you think about tonight after that last one? I said, tonight? I said, they've got a real shot. I said, that place is going to be crazy. I said, they're playing much, much better than people realize. And I said, you know, and Indiana was ranked number one. Bruce Parkhill and the last play of shoot-around. Last play. Okay, so... I'm getting ready to do the pregame show with him, so I'm sitting there watching shoot around. The last play is Elton Carter is to throw the ball in. And he is supposed to fake to the backcourt where two players go and Greg Bartram's to break to the front court. So he goes, he fakes left. And it's on my side, so I'm sitting on the side I'm broadcasting from. So he fakes left and boom, throws right and he gets Bartram. That was the last play they ran in shoot around. Now we get to the game. Ball's at midcourt. As you well know, you were there. And Penn State's up two. And obviously, I have a pretty good idea what play they're going to call. And Carter lines up, and I see where Bartram is. So he fakes left. He throws right. And, and Carter can't throw a better pass. Right over and caught by Bartram goes in, lays it in. On the on the broadcast, I said he laid it up and in. That gives Penn State a two possession advantage. And timeouts called because they because you were sitting there. Did you know a foul was called? No, not at first. Not at first. No. Well, suddenly, like the scoreboard doesn't change. They're in a timeout. I'm thinking, okay, why? You know, we're in a commercial break. I'm thinking, why isn't the scoreboard changing? And then I thought Bartram was going to get... Actually, I knew a foul was called. Okay, I knew a foul was called. But I thought the foul was on Indiana. I thought it was on Reynolds. All right, so I'm expecting Bartram to come out and shoot a free throw to make it a five-point game. Instead, Indiana's taking the ball out of bounds. And they never explained to the crowd that the foul was on Bartram. Because he did call the foul. Because I remember specifically he has a chance at a three-point play and that when they broke the huddle, I expected Bartram to be at the free-throw line and said Penn State's back on defense. I'm thinking, what the heck's going on here? And then Bartram fouled Greg Graham in the corner on a three-point shot. <sighs> Graham makes two of three at the free throw line. I think he. I want to. I think Graham missed the first. He made two out of three at the free throw line. And so instead of Indiana winning, it goes to overtime. Penn State jumps out to the lead in overtime by seven. You're thinking, okay, and then Indiana comes back. You know, like oh, now you got to go to second overtime. And then this time, I think Penn State got to a. a 
small advantage at first, but then Indiana took over midway through the overtime. Damon Bailey made some big plays, and Indiana won the game. And for years, I had said that Indiana game is the greatest game you ever called. Huh? I said, no. I said to me, if, if, to me, a great experience for me personally is I go home and I, I'm happy. <laughs> so I, I told you, said if I'm going home and I'm mad, it really isn't going to be an indelible memory. <laughs> the thing I remember is Rec Hall was so loud it was quiet. It was that loud that you just couldn't hear anything. Well, it's easier for me because I have headphones on. And back in those days, we had headphones that really covered the ears. They were much bigger than the ones we have now. Even now, it blocks out almost all the noise. But, I mean, I knew it was loud. It was crazy in there. People have been aching for it to play. See Penn State play Indiana at home in Rec Hall. They've been aching for it. And here was the cho- here was the chance to do it. Uh, Michael Jennings, a natural two guard, had been forced to play point guard. And Michael Jennings played one of the truly outstanding games of his Penn State career. Uh, it's not easy for an off guard to suddenly be playing point guard, but he had to because of injuries, injuries and other circumstances. And, you know, Penn State didn't have Dan Earl yet. Dan Earl was coming in the next year. And it was, a lot of people have, it's interesting that um, there was one official people have gone after over time. I know his I name. Know his name. Go ahead, tell everybody his name. Sam Licklider. Yep, Sam Licklider. As he made the call. I've always said in defense of Sam Licklider. Okay, now let's. I mean, let's start with this. I mean, he made the wrong call, right? So let's not get around that. But the guy that had the best angle on the play, unquestionably, was Gene Manji. And nobody ever talks about that. I mean. Gene could have walked up and said, look, I saw it all the way. Reynolds was was grabbing his jersey. Gene's right there. He can see it. So, yeah. Does that answer all your questions? Yes, that's yes, fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of details about that game. I remember a lot of details about a lot of games. <laughs> that was one of those. It just... I can't believe that's not in your top ten. Is it they didn't win? Rec, I said, Rec Hall was a fun place to watch basketball. It was. No, it was a great place to watch basketball. There's no getting around it. I wish that the end zone the only thing about Rec Hall I wish was that the end zone stands were closer to the baselines. Uh the sideline stands at Rec Hall are incredible and very intimidating. The baselines, uh there's just so much space. That that's the part of Rec Hall which I sit back. I mean, that would need to be tighter. I mean, I know Joe wanted to put seats in Rec Hall and expand the upper level to get it to ten thousand. And he, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's that's what he's hoping to do, and it, it didn't fly. Okay, um, let's get a few more, a little bit more from Sandy Barber. We got even more in the final half hour, uh, starting with the moderator, Chris Peterson. Greg Pickle, Penn Live. Good afternoon, Sandy. How are you? I'm fantastic, Greg. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. Hey, on the topic yeah. of testing, how often will arrive at that decision? Yeah, let me take the last part first. You know, we've been, uh, again, consulting uh, with experts. Uh, obviously, Penn State Health is, uh, is an incredible resource uh, for us. Uh, and, uh, and what we determined was that we would uh, test upon arrival. We would test upon return uh, for all student athletes and staff. Uh, and then we would test as symptomatic. Um, and that, that's what we've... Uh, around us uh, and and we also certainly will as the university settles on uh, what they're going to be doing for the fall uh, certainly um, kind of fold up uh, under that as well understanding that we're also going to um, uh, to need to then uh, take some different approaches as it relates to competition and travel uh, for student athletes as we arrive at that point John Petitionock Happy Valley News Hey, good afternoon, Sandy. Appreciate your time today and hope you're doing well. Great to see you, John. Hey, for fans who won't be able to get into the stadium this season, but who still want to be part of the game day experience, do you anticipate having any restrictions in place for how many fans can be at team arrival or in the tailgating lots or even how many vehicles can be parked at the stadium? Uh, yeah, so so most basically, uh, given given your question, you know, we are still working on all of uh, all of the plans as they relate to any seating in our venues. Uh, you, you know, we still we need to work with uh, with the governor's office and, uh, and and what might be our state protocols at that time. You know, I think the last time we talked, I said, "Hey, you know, we're over a hundred days away." Well, you know, now we're just over sixty days uh, away. So the time is whittling away, but we still do have. Uh, some considerable time, and you know, for our fans, I know they're anxious. Um, they're they're anxious because many of them want to come. Uh, many of them want to know what the safety procedures will be uh, for us. And and as with anything that we're doing, whether it has to do with student athletes or it has to do with staff or coaches, or obviously in the case of our fans, uh, you know, everything we're going to do uh, relates to uh, to health and safety. It goes right back to, to to health and safety. And I know. Our fans are, are, are very anxious about that. Um, but before we can put out uh, what uh, what our seating might look like, uh, we certainly need uh, some some guidance uh, from others. So we're still not quite quite there yet. Um, but I think to be fair, John, um, you know, they're going to need to be restrictions on on lots of things. Uh, you know, we uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, how our student athletes enter both. Um, 
both uh, uh, home team and visiting team, uh, how they enter the stadium and, you know, what fans they uh, or what other people in general they have access to or frankly don't have access to um, is all going to need to be to be part of the plan. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I know about uh, about Penn State fans is, is they're incredibly passionate. And, and I know we're going to have uh, for those that aren't able to get in the stadium, they're going to want to they're going to want to tailgate. They're going to want to be there for uh, uh, for the team arrival or any variety of kind of standard uh, traditional uh, Penn State activities. Um, and, and, you know, depending on, on what it is, uh, that may or may not be possible. So all, all of that still, uh, still to be seen um, and, uh, and, and still to understand what conditions um, we will be in uh, when we do start to play. Mark Brennan, Lions 24-7. Hey, Sandy, thank you for doing this. And do you mind if I ask where you are now? <laughs> um, I, uh, I actually am, uh, am with, my, uh, with my family in California. Um, we've, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we've, had, uh, uh, we've had a death in the family, so, uh, so that's, that's where I am. My condolences to you. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, thank you. Question-wise, um, can you talk about the value of having a guy like Dwight Galt, who has been around for so long, helping to kind of manage and uh, oversee a lot of what you're doing with this phased return? Yeah, so so Dwight obviously is a key member of uh, of our performance team, and um, y you know I don't think any of us have uh, have seen a pandemic, so I certainly won't. Uh, I won't attribute pandemic experience to Dwight, but that's about all he hasn't seen. <laughs> uh, and, um, and and not only is it that, not only is it uh, is it his expertise, his uh, strength and conditioning uh, and uh, um, uh, conditioning uh, expertise, but it's also who he is. He is he is all about students. He is all about their health and welfare, uh, and uh, and so he, he's been a terrific uh, he's been a terrific member uh, of that team, and obviously has a great reputation uh, for uh, for strength building uh, and, and endurance and uh, and um, uh, and conditioning uh, with the guys. But but then you add to that. Um, you know, our head of uh, applied sports science in, um, in Josh Nelson and Renee Messina, our, uh, our, our head of uh, sports medicine and athletic training, uh, Wayne Sebastianelli, um, uh, you, you know, Kayla, uh, Kayla Martin, Kayla uh, Matrunic Martin, um, our nutritionist, they've all been a piece of this. They've all been a part of it. And uh, it's been, uh, they've been spectacular. Um, you know, lots of other schools have those same pieces. Um, I'm not sure lots of other schools take the same approach that we do, uh, which is really a collaborative one. Um, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. And it certainly has made a difference in this situation. Audrey Snyder, The Athletic. Hey, Sandy, thanks for your time this afternoon. Um, I'm wondering, James had referenced in some interviews that perhaps some players have not felt comfortable coming back to campus at this point. Um, has that been the case with football? And if a player elects not to come back, um, say this fall, would their scholarship still be honored? Yeah, we've been we've been really clear, and it's kind of where our education started again six or, or eight weeks ago. Um, that uh, 
This is all about their health and safety and an element of their health and safety is their comfort. Uh, and uh, so we have at every turn um, indicated that it, that it is their decision when, 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 the, when the time for each of our teams to be invited back uh, arrives. Uh, completely, the decision is completely theirs, uh, and that their their scholarship uh, is is not in jeopardy at all. Uh, we will we will work with them on that, uh, and and again, both uh, both health and safety as it relates to the virus, uh, but also their health and safety as it re as it relates to their acclimatization, their conditioning. All of that will, will be taken into consideration at every point, uh, whether it be coming back for voluntary uh, lifting and conditioning, whether it be in the sport of football when we start uh, with the summer access on July 13th, um, or whether it be when we, when we start camp. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to consider where each and every student athlete is um, in their uh, in, in kind of their sequencing in their evolution um, of their health. Frank Podany, is, Yorkley Daily Record. And we'll get to Frank Podany's question in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. of info that I think fans will find interesting, at least on a July 2nd. Uh, obviously, thoughts on a July 2nd won't be the be-all, end-all, but at least gives you the thought process of what they are thinking right now. All this brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. 
Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. And now, on these 90-degree days, six different flavors of ice-cold slushies. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And uh, stock up for the 4th of July weekend now. You want as many cold beverages as possible. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Incredible pre-owned inventory. And a great sales staff with plenty of deals. A service department that takes care of the life of the vehicle. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Get that process started from the comfort of your own living room. All right. So let's uh, get now more thoughts from Sandy Barber, starting with Frank Bodani of the York Daily Record. Hi. Good afternoon, Sandy. Uh, There seems to be a little bit level more uncertainty kind of growing about the college football season in some realms, at least. What the... How do you feel about the season going off on time? What do you think the biggest hurdle or worries would be over the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, that there's a little, there's been a little bit of pessimism here in the in the last couple of weeks that uh, um, that we really hadn't had for probably about four to four to six weeks. We've we've been ticking up on the on the optimism scale. Um, I, I think that uh, the approach that I that I'm taking to this is uh, that uh, you know I think that's part of the ebb and flow of uh, of the virus here. Obviously, my hope is uh, that uh, maybe as uh, as people start uh, uh, looking at the masking and the social distancing uh, again, um, and, uh, and and all of the precautions and kind of understanding or maybe recommitting um, to the seriousness uh, of this, uh, that we'll see it uh, flatten out. Um, the bottom line is, uh, again, what, whatever it is we're going to do, uh, we're, we're going to do it only if it's if it's if it's safe uh, and healthy. Starting with students and then moving to coaches and staff and then spreading out to to our community. So what we're doing is we're planning. Um, obviously, given the uncertainty, we're, we're having to work on a lot of plans, a lot of different plans, a lot of different scenarios. Um, and when the time comes, um, if it's healthy and safe to do it, uh, we'll obviously do it. And if it's not, we won't. New Bias Wilborn, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hey, Sandy, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? Good. Doing well, and thank you. And sorry for your loss. Um, Appreciate that. Slight change up here. Um, with the name, image, and licensing stuff, with, with University Park or State College being a smaller town, how would that have an impact comparison to, say, a bigger city like a New York or a Chicago with kids getting endorsements, things of that nature? 
Yeah, you know, that's a, that's an interesting question and one that I actually welcome the opportunity to answer because yes, we actually reside um, in a uh, in a smaller community, um, but the fact of the matter is that uh, that we have over seven hundred thousand living alumni um, that populate major metropolitan areas like New York and Boston and Chicago and San Francisco and London uh, and Paris and you name it, uh, and and so I think. Um, every opportunity uh, from a name, image, and likeness standpoint that a student is, any student um, is going to want or desire is gonna be available to them, uh, to a Penn State student uh, through our, uh, our unbelievable, incredible uh, alumni, alumni network. Um, and, and it's going to be our job uh, to number one, educate the, them on that um, and then number two uh, provide opportunities for for engagement so that they can take advantage of that mark wilgenrich si.com Andy, hi and condolences on your loss i wanted to ask you about the pros and cons of playing football in the spring from your perspective what are, what's good what wouldn't work yeah i you know we and and we all know it. We started talking about the spring in March. <laughs> um, and, and at that time, we were far more pessimistic than we were four weeks ago. Um, and, and I think even more pessimistic than, than we are today. Um, I think the, uh, there, there are lots of challenges. Um, it would be a last resort. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges, and it's probably the biggest one in my mind, um, is the the proximity to then the next season, um, and frankly, a second lost spring ball. Um, you know, overcomable, uh, overcomable. If if perhaps we're willing to have uh, a uh, a shortened season, um, and again, in the category of something is better than nothing, um, that that may not be a, a problem at all. Uh, but but I think I think probably the biggest uh, concern is is the wear and tear on the bodies of our students um, and the proximity of a spring season to a, to a fall season. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports. I'm unmuted. Now you're unmuted. Yeah, great. Yeah, Sandy, again, thanks and uh, for doing this and sorry for your loss. Uh, Thank you. I, how do you sell tickets um, not knowing the capacity you're going to be operating at or, or if games are going to be played at all? That's kind of a fancy way of asking what your year over year is right now. Yeah, well, uh, you know, again, uh, we're thanks to the to the passion uh, and and the, the fervor and the uh, of of the Penn State Nation and our fans. Uh, you know, we had a uh, I think we had a 94 or a 95 percent renewal rate. Um, we had sold an additional close to 3,000 uh, season tickets. Um, so probably one of the things I can say with certainty, and obviously there's not much I can say with certainty, uh, but without a season ticket, uh, no matter what our capacity is, uh, you, you're probably not coming to a Penn State game. 
this year. So uh, again, I, I appreciate our, our, our fans and uh, and their uh, their fanaticism uh, for Penn State football, and uh, and we hope to be able to reward them with uh, with a safe and healthy opportunity to come watch Penn State football this year. And I was, if I could follow up, I think you just answered it. You know, it, it, if you could sell out right now, could you? I mean, would there be concerns about people coming just for safety precautions? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think in, uh, in, in any of, in, in well, we don't have to do a full house scenario because we know how to do that. <laughs> we, we, we do that, uh, we do that frequently. Um, if we're being honest, I, I, I'm not. I don't believe that's in the books. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards uh, for for us this season. Um, so again, the, the the different scenarios we're looking at would be to try to accommodate as many of our season ticket holders as we possibly can. Michael Fletcher, ESPN.com. Hey, yeah, thank you for doing this, and, um, and thank you, Sandy. Uh, a couple of questions back on the um, idea of pay cuts. When might you make a decision on reducing coaches' pay? Uh, is, is that something that's in the immediate offing? And secondly, is there a scenario where you can avoid them, given that the university itself has already made furloughs and made, made other kinds of reductions? Uh, yeah. So, so first of all, with the exception of uh, of a handful of uh, part-time seasonal uh, employees who would have been uh, employed uh, sometime this spring, we actually we in athletics have furloughed no one. Um, as you can imagine, um, most of our employees have been busier than they ever have been in their lives. Um, so uh, uh, they, they've had uh, meaningful work um, and, and more <laughs> um, to, uh, uh, to to be busy during during this time. Uh, I have held off. Uh, we we have, but obviously it's been led by by me in asking for any specific uh, amount or or telling uh, our coaches and other employees any specific amount. Frankly, and I had this conversation uh, with them in probably mid to late April uh, that uh, there was so much uncertainty uh, about our financial position um, that, that frankly I didn't want to ask for too much. I also didn't want to ask for too little um, because I didn't want to have to come back again. I didn't want to say, okay, let's do 5% uh, and then come back in July and say, well, guess what? I need 10. Um, so, uh, so that's why I, I've hesitated uh, to uh, to really nail anything down. Um, to be fair to all of our employees, uh, I think the time is coming as we've now gotten into the to the next fiscal year, uh, day day one of, of that today. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I, I probably uh, you know we probably need to do that, and we'll do that within the next the next few weeks. Um, um, as it relates to avoiding it, um, as you can imagine, as we're looking at reduced crowds uh, in Beaver Stadium, re reduced crowds in, in Pagula and the BJC and, and, uh, and Rec Hall and, and others of our venues, um, that, uh, that we are looking at uh, significant reduction in terms of, of those revenues. And, uh, and we have to figure out how to, how to do that. Uh, we're, we're looking at lots of different operations operational 
ways uh, to reduce our costs. Uh, certainly, um, as a conference, we looked at some things and uh, and have come up with some some good cost savings. Trying not to uh, not to impact competitiveness uh, of any of our programs. Um, so, so we've looked at all of that first, um, but uh, given the, the severity of, of what we anticipate might be coming, um, uh, pay reductions are probably unavoidable. Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle. Hi, Sandy. Sorry about your loss, and I hope your family is safe and well. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate that. I have, I have a two-parter. First of all, can you tell us what the protocol is if a player, coach, or staff member tests positive? And secondly, are you requiring student athletes to sign waivers? And if so, why? Okay. Um, yeah, the, the first one is, again, controlled completely by, uh, by sports medicine. Um, and that is that the uh, the individual who tests positive um, is uh, is immediately isolated, um, and you know depending on whether it's a student, depending on where they live, depending on whether it's a staff member, that that could be at home, um, uh, and um, so they are immediately isolated. And then a term that we've all become very familiar with. Um, they uh, they um, are asked a bunch of questions that assist with the contact. I keep wanting to call it contract tracing. Contract contact tracing um, begins, uh, and uh, de depending on a variety of circumstances, you know how far out uh, with that do they go? A lot of questions about how much time was spent together, how much in in near uh, contact. Uh, was uh, was spent together, um, and then our medical team, um, in conjunction with the state health department. I mean, the the state health department really is the ones that um, uh, that manage the contact tracing. Uh, so, uh, uh, depending on the answers to those questions, uh, further steps are are then taken. And he also had a question about the liability waiver. Ah, yeah. Thank you. Um, we we have not uh, asked our students to to sign any kind of waiver. Um, we do have a uh, what we are calling our one team pledge uh, that all of our uh, student athletes and eventually staff will sign. Um, and all that is is a reiteration of all of the educational stuff, all of the protocols, um, and frankly, um, kind of an acknowledgement of the importance to themselves, their teammates, others, their coaches, uh, how important following these protocols are, and that, um, that they pledge uh, to follow them. That is Sandy Barber, Penn State's Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics. We'll wrap up the show in a moment. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us here on the show today. All right, so we uh, head into the 4th of July weekend. So a couple things. Number one, stay safe. You know, follow the protocols in terms of masking and distancing and so forth. And also at the same time, try to combine having a good time. Uh, and the, only re the, the reason I bring up following the protocols of masking and distancing is this. 
seems to be a thought process that it works. And I just don't want people getting, quote, sloppy um, because that could lead to a problem. That's all. I'm thinking of you. Um, See, that's the difference between me doing the show and the suit doing the show. I want you people to do this for me. No, no, suit. No, 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 no. I get it. I can't do it that way. You know what I'm talking about, Jeff. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you people getting sick around me. Uh, so what? <laughs> but I, you know, and that's that's the big part. Yeah, have there been uh, a higher infection rate? Yes, there's no doubt about that. But if we want this infection rate to go down and stabilize by August 2nd, for example. We have to be smart on July 2nd. That's all. And that's, that's, that's all I'm, I'm talking about. I'm not saying not, don't have a good time, have some laughs, the whole thing. Just be smart about it, that's all. And a little sacrifice now could make the, the next month easier for everybody, especially you. Especially you just don't know sometimes. Reading a story about Charlie Reimer, who worked, for, who was a former professional golfer, uh, did a lot of work over the years for ESPN Golf Channel Westwood One. And when he went to some golf show in Tennessee, and he's driving back, started feeling lousy, and turned out he ended up being hospitalized with these fifty-two. You know, he said he, you know, he, he tried to distance, he tried to wear a mask, he said, but he didn't wear one the entire time. Well, you know, and which is. Not sloppy behavior, but it turned out he got it. He ended up hospitalized. Now he's feeling better. John Feinstein, um, whom I like and respect very, very much, wrote a great article on him in Golf World. And Charlie's wife, Carol, uh, was tested for COVID-19. She uh, tested positive but was asymptomatic. But he's getting better. She's felt fine the entire time. So everybody just have a good time, but stay safe. Be smart. Today's show's been brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and out every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and dills. Indeed, second to none. And now six great ice-cold flavors of slushies. Stock up for the 4th of July weekend at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket.